Neil, why can't we just say hi at the beginning? Hey, everybody. Just do it. Yeah, why can't we just do that? Yeah, why can't we just, like, come in like normal human beings and say hello? Why do we have to sit here for three hours trying to think and pretend like I'm not just giving the intro right now? Like, this is not just the intro. Why can't we just say hello? Good intro. No, no, we can't go with this or else it's just going to keep... Keep it rolling, keep it recording. Of, oh, 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 no. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Roll and Move, the Internet's podcast that takes a look at some of the weirder, more bizarre board games out there. We break them down, we see what makes them work, what makes them not work. I am your first co-host and one of the creators of Rough Draft Games, Thomas Jungerberg, and with me here, as always, is... Gary Lively. I'm using today's game to release a lot of pent-up frustration from my childhood, so I'm I'm... I'm excited about this one. This is going to be good. That's interesting because there's not a lot of physical movement. So you're really just doing a lot of bobbling. Just venting. Is it a yeah, just venting. Over there? Yeah. <laughs> just complaining. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Also with us is... Jeff Lee. Um, I wonder how many games in the board game ecosystem atmosphere are just literally colors and numbers <laughs> and different and a different rule book, you know? There's got to be... I mean, can you imagine I can being think of a colorblind person who can't count? <laughs> there's gotta be a lot you'd right? lose out on you'd be you if you were a colorblind person who couldn't count you would lose out on so, so many, many games, board games. As, a, as a youngin yeah absolutely i i don't know if that's a disorder out there but i'm sure that one person has it and that guy is not a happy camper but he's actually lucky in this case because he doesn't have to play the game True. that we're talking about today that we're talking about today garrett if i showed you an uno card and a phase 10 card really quickly mm-hmm. Just like, you know, I, I like flash them in front of your face, like, ah! you know, like you're in a speeding car, right. maybe not, maybe not truly speeding. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking maybe 10, 15 miles per hour. <laughs> could you, you, you can like tell, I guess up. it depends on, <laughs> you can like jog depends on the zone, you know, if it's a school zone, I don't know, <laughs> but you see these two cards, yeah. you see a rainbow of color, right? So it looks like some sort of uh Western numeral digit. One, one on has, there. one has skip written across it. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Would you be able to tell a difference between these two games? Uh, if you had it on the back side, yes. Front side of the card, no. I, I, it would be. I would be hard pressed to tell. You, you've got the same four basic colors. You got blue. You got green, yellow, red. You have mm-hmm. numbers. I, I think Uno doesn't go up to twelve. I don't believe though. Or maybe it think, does. I don't remember if they what go, does up Uno to go up to. I, I think uh, just nine. Ten. I'm gonna look this up. But yeah, no. The answer is no. Too I would high. not be able to tell the difference they they are functionally the same you're functionally given um <laughs> four suits four colors of cards uh sometimes they're fully mm-hmm. colored sometimes just the little corners are colored and uh you got a skip card you got a wild card but <laughs> what you're saying is so that you're we, the audience we could play phase 10 or we could play uno with interchanging decks is what you're i think is right and, and and right there right there's the name of the game that we're playing today folks it's it's phase 10 this is not a new game you might have even heard of this game maybe you've even played this game before it's uh sold in a lot of stores sold in target pretty mainstream uh and we're 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 taking a look at it here today and i gotta say it, it's quite this very much is i think the lockdown the game for the lockdown. Like if, like if you really, a lot of people turn to games as sort of a form of escape. Yeah. But the but Phase Ten really is, I feel like, a pandemic incarnate. You know, more of a pandemic than pandemic. Right. Because you're just it, like your your li- your movements are limited. 
There's so many times where you're just sitting there trying to wait for the next hand, mm-hmm. hoping that the next hand's going to be better, hoping that the next wait day is going to be better. Watch Maybe other people get what you deserve. Watch what other people get what I deserve while I'm stuck here, trapped inside my little hand, and I'm just sitting there refreshing all my websites, hoping a PS4. that wait. I'm going to be... I'll be able to. I'll be able to get what I want. Even and you, leave and you, succeed in life. You even have tiered phases, uh, telling you what you should be doing I, with your life. Yeah, I know. Now, this is this is a great analogy, Tom. I, I really like where you're going. With I, this. thank you, thank you. I'm glad that you appreciate this because I I was uh, it, it put me right back in the situation that I was trying so desperately to get away from, and for that I'm thankful. <laughs> for that I'm, I'm a little really, bit of I'm really grateful. Mm-hmm. And it was just like. <laughs> That's why I, I I I talked with some friends who like uh they do like some short film stuff and people are like, should we make it like a short film about like life in the pandemic? And I'm just like, no. No. <laughs> people have had enough. No, you shouldn't. People have had enough. People don't want to see that. Like you're gonna have to you wait. You have to at wait least some time. Yeah. Some time before people go, Oh yeah, I do remember that. I do remember when we were wearing masks. And even 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 then the movie's gonna suck because you can't see their masks. I mean, I don't like, think people it's gonna like after World War II immediately were like, you know what? We should relive this. Let's see some on screen. Yeah, not to compare us to World War II veterans. Yeah, this, you know, we're we're sitting here playing board games, but like, but uh, Phase Ten I mean, might be worse. <laughs> yeah, than World War Two. Yeah, Phase Ten might be worse. I, I've you know, storming the. <laughs> oh, absolutely. My ears are ringing. Absolutely. We're we're playing Phase Ten here, guys. Garrett, can you give us a little bit of background on this designer slash when this game came out? Any history? Yeah. If we yeah. Crack open so, the so so Ken Johnson, noted entrepreneur, inventor, speaker author big kenny the, he, he doesn't list himself as the designer of phase 10 he says he's the inventor of phase 10 oh great he came out with phase 10 back in uh, i believe 82 it's gone through a couple different iterations uh, a couple different rule changes we played with one of the earlier rule sets and uh much to our chagrin because it dragged the game considerably longer um but yeah ken johnson and he, he's still kicking around uh he i believe originally had the game licensed to Fundex, or he was doing it independently. It went through Fundex. Um, Mattel ended up getting a hold of it in, back in 2010. And so it's uh, it's actually, I was looking this up, it is the second highest uh, selling card game of all time behind Uno. So Mattel has oh, locked geez. down on number one and number two, yeah. Um, and, and I'm not sure if that includes like all the different variations of Uno. You know, Dose, which we've played on the podcast, or... Uh, the different variations of Phase 10, like Phase 10 Dice, Phase 10 for Kids. Uh, but there you go. The the top two selling games of all time, not now under the Mattel library. But yeah, Ken Johnson, he's done a couple of games, um, but mostly he is just uh, shilling out his success as a speaker, saying, hey, I've been in Phase 10. If you want something easy, or if you want to make a lot of money quick, you, you make a nice, easy game that people can... People can uh, latch on to really quickly. You can explain a couple sentences, and uh, you can get everybody around the table and play. So I'm looking at his, um, I guess, his his LinkedIn. Now, I'm looking at his uh, Board Game Geek, I guess, game history, which is, in effect, his LinkedIn for the board game community. (laughs) Uh, And I only see three games, and it's Phase 10, Phase 10 Twist, and Phase 10 Masters Edition. So you're absolutely right. He literally only made this one game, as far as my, to my knowledge, done. right? Did he make anything else? Or He also is listed uh, within the credits. I, I think you see his top games there. If you scroll under that and hit see all, he had a couple of games in the 80s. He had Dice Baseball and Assumption. Yeah, but then he hit big on this, and he's like, forget it. it. Yeah, he hit big on Phase 10. 
and uh, yeah, never looked back. God, imagine if that was us, right? But I, no, I, I mean, I, no. Yeah. <laughs> God, I wish that was me. <laughs> oh man, I really wish that was me. <laughs> Um, I, you mentioned something that's really interesting, Garrett, which is uh, like Uno and Phase 10 are the two most sold games ever. Yeah. Um, I don't own a copy of Uno. I don't know if it's by principle. Um, I've obviously <laughs> played it a ton of times. Um, yeah. My cousins owned it growing up. Do you guys own a copy of Uno? Uh, I do not. Um, I know my grandparents own at least two copies of Uno and at least two copies of Phase 10. So okay. They yeah. they. They're they make up. They make up for it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Why do they own two? Why do they own two? Uh, well, one was starting to miss some cards, so they bought a second, and then they took instead of just using the second one, they took the cards they were missing in the first one and took those from the second. No, they didn't. I, <laughs> really? <laughs> not kidding. That's great. Oh man, that's that's pretty excellent. I uh, I do not own Uno. I have uh, Crowns. Uh, that's the most. That's a card game that my parents are playing a lot. They got me a copy of that, but I would say uh, I'm I'm looking a little thin. I, the, the the most basic, actually, you know, I, I know it says that Phase Ten is the second most popular card game out there. What, but like, what about just your standard deck of cards? I feel like people sort of leave that out sure. as far as like sure. just sort of yeah. the the base deck. That's got to be number one, right? More than anything. I'm sure it is, but I, I don't think you can call that a commercial card game necessarily. Um, it's just like and, supplies. And no one, yeah, no one really has the rights to that. Um, I wouldn't be like a dice is the most <laughs> most sold game. A die, a, a die is the most sold sold game ever. Uh, so I have the numbers here from Wikipedia as of 2016. How many units it had sold? Uh, in the millions do you guys want to give this a guess phase 10s phase 10 in just 2018 or by 2018 uh, by 2016 how many 2016. Units god i have um, no idea. 13 million 62 million holy 62 million. crap yeah as of 2016 so they're they're well over that by now um but yeah that's why and it's funny because mattel buying this was actually a pretty big deal i found a uh, business in business business wire article uh, t- talking about how Mattel uh, was probably going to see a significant bump because of their acquisition of Phase Ten back in two thousand, back in two thousand ten. <laughs> this is a big move. Yeah, so big acquisition. It's, it's a big deal. I mean, as far as the uh, the landscape of the board game economics, this is uh, as big as it comes. This is a huge acquisition uh, because you throw this on the the checkout line at Target, you're going to get your grandparents buying a couple copies and. And forcing yeah. your grandchildren to start playing. So, I mean, it's why I'm here. It's why I'm the so, board, avid board game lover that I am today. Speaking of forcing people to start start playing, <laughs> uh, I think it's a good time that we uh, we force our audience to listen to what they would have to go through oh. here. So, if we open up this box, they basically see Uno. Is there anything in our what's in the box section here for either of you guys that we could say is slightly different i mean what like is what do we need to mention here to help people picture this thing in their head? uh you have like we said numbered cards and four different colored suits they are one through 12 and there are two of each card in that color so there's 24 cards on the suit as well as eight wild cards and four skip cards so that comes out to what 100 and some odd cards uh within the deck and you know pretty evenly split between the mm-hmm. colors with uh, eight wilds the skips and then additionally for each player they have a little contract card that lists out the 10 different phases that you'll be going through but that's it yeah super simple comes in you know kind of the little box that has uh, each half of the deck 
wrapped so these, and uh, spilled these up. These phases. These phases. Mm. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about these? Are basically goals, mm-hmm. right? They're goals that you have to hit. You got to hit them in a row. In the in the in the game that we're playing, like you have to hit your. your it usually starts off a little easy. Your first phase is, I believe, you got to get a set of two sets of three. Yeah. So so phase ten is for the for the listener. It's based off a rummy type game. So if you've played rummy or gin rummy or. Um, you know there's there's a rummy cube there's a bunch of different games that are based around this which basically you are trying to uh these are usually two player games you're usually going to draw cards discard a card um and try to construct runs and sets within your hand uh generally in in rummy runs are going to be cards in order so like five six seven eight um and then sets will be cards of the same value so like three fives or three twos or something like that so with the standard deck of cards, you can pretty easily work out the probability of whether or not you can complete it. Um, and generally, like I said, they're two-player games. In Phase 10, they kind of have this am- amalgamation of all the different different rummy games that you can play with sets and runs and how long they can be. And they just kind of tier it into how difficult they think each of those are to acquire. So like you said, you're going to have 10 different phases. You're going to go in order and if uh, you play each round, you can phase or meld is the traditional term in a rummy game. Meld being laying those cards down, thus completing the contract. Um, and if you meld in a in a hand, you move on to the next phase and the next hand. Um, and everybody that melds is able to move on and people that don't meld are stuck on their phases. So, you know, potentially we were playing a three-player game. If, uh, if, if you think about how slowly this game could possibly go or as quick as it could possibly go it's you know at at its fastest you're going to play 10 hands of this if that's if everybody's melding every single time Mm -hmm. and at its slowest it's going to be what 30 rounds or 29 rounds or something like that because you Mm -hmm. think of like i meld but nobody else does and then jeff melds but nobody else does yeah it just permeates Uh, through yeah you you play multiple rounds over and over and over or multiple phases yeah exactly so me growing up, I played this with like six players, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was just the worst. Um, but let's a talk. A lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. But let's talk about these phases. So, but before phases... you move on, I want to know who, which of your siblings was the worst phase ten player? And you don't have to name them by name. You can just start with their letter. G. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I it's it's tough to talk about phase ten because the difficulty curve is uh non-existent uh once you learn the rules you are basically an expert in phase 10 and the strategy there within is you know can you remember what the person to your left needs and that's about it so there really wasn't a worst and i would be interested to see kind of the um (laughs) the win rate like if you taught a computer to learn phase 10 like what its win rate would be against a human like because i (laughs) i assume it's not that much higher than a human uh, a human yeah um but yeah it's 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 rough stuff um yeah let's talk about the phases here so the phases i believe phase one thomas mentioned you're gonna get two sets of three so that's you know three threes and three sixes or something like that phase two you're gonna get a set of three and a run of four phase three you're gonna build on that a little bit a set of four and a run of four so just one increased one one more card in that set and then phases four, five, and six are going to be runs of seven, eight, and nine, respectively. Now, what's important is you cannot complete multiple phases in one hand. So 
if I get a run of nine in phase four, I'm only completing my contract for the run of seven. So really stymies right. your progress there. Phase seven is two sets of four. Uh, phase eight is a wild card here. Seven cards of a, s- a single color. Phase nine, you're jumping into the sets again. You're going to get a set of five and a set of two. And then phase 10, the ultimate, the crag of, uh, <laughs> you remember, you guys remember Guts, the the crag mountain, the final mountain they had to climb, the crag. Uh, the, the final, the finish line is the set of five and a set of three. So those are your phases um, of varying difficulty. I was trying to figure out what actually was the hardest, because I always remember the hardest being phase six. Um but we did play with the old school rules of your run had to be in a single color, which they have since lifted that rule because it's it's just impossible. Um, but apparently the 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 hardest phase is now a set of five and a set of three. But I don't know. What are y'all's thoughts on what the hardest hardest phase? I mean, were? I I think it's so brutal the fact that you can't like actually work on multiple phases during mm-hmm. a single one because sometimes you'll get like four wild cards on your hand deal. Mm-hmm. Other times you'll have zero, and it is incredibly difficult to catch up if you have, have like zero. So maybe so so you would propose something where, where like you have these contracts and you can kind of fulfill them in any order, just based on what you're. Ab- absolutely, yeah. that would be a way to improve the game. And from what I understand, they do that in future. <clears throat> That's interesting. Right? Yeah, I wonder if um, I wonder if people think that that could be abusable. Maybe not. I, I'm I'm wondering like because I think that. What's funny about this is that you know exactly what other people are, um, what phase they're on, and what you can kind of how how you can block people out. And so, would they declare before the round? And if that's the case, and is it that much different than regular play? Um, because you don't know. Maybe maybe you get to see your hand once, and then you can declare at that point what you want, right? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't. I'm curious to hear what the what the alternate rules are but i'm wondering like you i don't think you should be able to change rules on the fly or change what phase you're on on the fly because then people couldn't be blocking so what alternate rules there are that's a great question um and wikipedia alone not to mention reddit board game geek and various other (laughs) other forums uh there are 14 variations on the rules so there are a lot of homebrew content here um most of them are going to be different orders of the phases uh, for example, my favorite named one is the Disco Fever one. Um, and that one has phase one being one even or odd of eight. Um, so that means <laughs> all all cards are even. A set of a set of eight cards that are all even or a set of uh, eight cards that are all odd. Uh, you have things like one color even or one odd of three. Um, and then one color of even or odd of four. So they, they do a lot of evens and odds for some reason. I don't know how that relates to Disco. Um, we also have the Candy Castle phase variation, which it's phase 10 is a run of three, a set of four, and a set of three. So you're going to need all 10 cards to Jeez. properly phase out of that that one. Yeah. Um, and then we have things, uh, we have Prehistoric Valley, Ancient Greece, Moonlight Drive-In, Jazz Club. I don't know who took the time to upload all these to Wikipedia, but you get down, those right. are all different phase variations. You get down, uh, once they release the Masters Edition in the, in the 2000s, you start seeing the ability to choose which phase to attempt uh, based on the cards dealt to the player. Players must verbally declare which phase they are attempting during their hand. Uh, the ability to set aside or save one card per hand. The ability to draw one card from their save pile per turn. 
Um, and then let's see. I am shocked that it took them that long to address the issue of being able to choose the one you want to go for or being able to shift around because I, I, I like you were telling us while we were playing the game that there was a certain meld that people would get stuck on mm-hmm. for hours mm-hmm. right. as they were trying to work through. I think playtesting is just different in that era, right? It's kind of one of those like you spend all the time. And you put it out there, you like spend all the time and money and you put it out there and you're not sure if it's going to be a commercial failure or not. And then you just kind of hope that, you know, people well, like the market, it. The market was different too. Yeah. I mean, at, at this, at this point, what you wanted, if you were a, a game designer, what you wanted to create was something that you could very easily teach to people within, you know, seconds, minutes, if not seconds. Right. And, and just get it out on the table and something they're familiar with. So phase 10 took the rummy card, card family card game family and just had you, you know, play different and it had something new where you're, Oh, I need to do these in order. Oh, I've prescribed contracts that I need to fulfill. Um, and, and <clears throat> also takes it from a two player game to a six, you know, two to six player game. So it, I think it really changed, changed the market up or changed the, the, the card game meta at the time, uh, at least with how, how rummy type games were, were played. I think what's interesting to me is that, like, while he, it's hard to, like, play test at that, you know, in, in the 82, you can't, like, do this thing online or, you know, have, like, virtual groups or whatever, and it's just harder to scale this thing up. He, there is very clearly, like, statisticians or statistics out there that you can find, you know, at your local library that says what he calls a run or a straight or whatever is going to be easier or harder than, you know, other phases. Like, yeah. collecting seven of the same color is much easier than collecting a run of nine which is a set of nine of the same color plus also a straight so i, got, I don't understand how that got confused yeah. i mean that that should have been really like easily yeah flush. that would it should have easily been identified as like you know misbalanced you know in terms of phase difficulty more difficult yeah yeah that's i think that's the story of this game is like there's there's so many questions as to why is this ability not in the game that would obviously, in my opinion, make it a little bit more acceptable, especially when you're getting your cards and you have your hand and you can sort of make your value judgment of what you can realistically go for than being forced to go for it for something that is clearly not going to happen that hand. I like the idea of you have to declare it like at the mm-hmm. beginning uh, after you take a look at your hand and then you got to stick with it. But I think that that's such an obvious improvement. The obvious ordering of the difficulty of the faces. There's so many things that were, I, I I felt like obvious things to address that just went out in this game, got the sticker on it, got it in target, and that's all that matters. And it's one of those things that audiences just kind of sucked it up and they played it anyways. And they're just like, ah, well, that's the game. And I don't yeah. I, I don't know if the tolerance for that was just a lot higher. I think, it, know, I think it was. Years, I mean, I think ago. people were basically playing you know, Uno, they're playing with your standard deck of cards and, you know, Monopoly. And you yeah. know, if you think of Monopoly, like... No, oh, well, people, that's yeah. the rule. Yeah, people yeah. trying to get through that. Uh, I mean, that's just a war of attrition, right? Who's going to quit last is, is who wins. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, and, you know, there, were, there weren't the distractions of today's day and age where people had longer attention spans. Um, so if you sat down to play a game, I, I think you pretty much sat down to play the game. Um, I, yeah. I feel like people can still do that, but they just they just want the game to be like. Wh- I think the question comes up: Why should I suffer 
through the game, not because of any story or narrative, <laughs> but rather just because of the mechanics. Right, right. I think that's something like people are a little bit. More Why should I suffer through this? <laughs> Why should I suffer? Why should I suffer through this? Why should I do this? I think it's yeah, a, it's a really good and, point though because it's like now when you're playing through really long playthroughs, you think, what what is like what's the nugget here? What you know? What am I getting out of? Like I know that there's going to be some benefit or payout for me playing this game long term. Like for example, when we play Time Stories, you know, we play scenarios over and over and over. But every time you get something, you get something small, like an immediate reward. Like oh, I learned something new about this run, or yeah, you're right. unlocking a larger portion of the story, which is like really fulfilling. But to Thomas's point, if you're just doing it to go through the motions and to finish the game. Finishing the game and checking off the box isn't enough of a like isn't enough of a reward to, for you to like right. want to come play it again or you know, recommend it to anybody. Right. Like imagine imagine if like the reason that mac and cheese you know is a very popular meal for many people is because it doesn't have to be that great, right? <laughs> it, you're, we're talking about I'm talking about your craft mac and cheese. You get yeah. it out of the box. You know mm -hmm. you got your nuclear orange powder you dump in there. The reason people do that is because it's not very arduous to get the end product. So they don't really care that, like, what you're getting at the end of the day is just, you know, gunky. Yeah, like cup ramen. And sometimes or, it's, even, it's yeah. even good. Yeah. But can you imagine going through the same process that you would to, I don't know, get a, get a good, perfect Thanksgiving turkey? Yeah. You know, like a seven hours of cooking and stuffing and that, and you got gunky noodles <laughs> and yeah. like, you just sort of look at the people who you roped in to like make them with you and you go, well, we did it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, what, <laughs> well, why, why would, why would we, I think some people will argue that for this? making Turkey in and of itself. There's no, I don't even know if you need an analogy. <laughs> some people will say just this time and effort to make a Turkey and it comes out like, Oh man, I got Turkey. Yeah. <laughs> I could have had steak. <laughs> uh, no, that's a, that's a great point. I, I think when you kind of compare, you know, even Uno, Uno kind of has this arbitrary, okay, first to 500 points wins, but you never feel like, okay, we're just going to play to 200 or, you know, we're just going to play to one or we're going to play three hands and whoever's winning at that point wins. With phase 10, you like are, you're acknowledging that you're quitting because you did not reach the 10th phase, right? You, you, you know, it's, it's, right. it's harder to say, let's see who's going to reach the furthest in phasing just, just to how the game is set up. So yeah, that's an interesting mm -hmm. point um, and, and how it's presented and, and, yeah, the the end gameplay may be identical, but it's the the process you're going through and the the time investment yeah. that you're sinking into it. That's a that's a that's a great point. I think something really simple they could have done, aside from obviously appropriately listing the phases and difficulty um, in order of difficulty. Uh, so before you say this, Jeff, I, I I did look up the stats on appropriately listing the phases mm -hmm. and difficulty. So there are thirty eight trillion seven hundred twenty two billion basically different uh, hands that you could possibly draw in phase 10 out of the 100 Jeez, cards yeah. drawing 10. So 38 trillion, some odd hands. Um, the odds of you drawing the phase where you need seven of the same colored cards, just you get dealt it, is 2 trillion, 243 billion. So roughly 6%, you have a 6% chance of just being dealt the, uh, the right the, hand, the yeah. entire phase, yeah. Um, that's including that's including wilds. So that is the easiest phase by far. Mm. Where <clears> you <throat> think so the uh, ways if you're choosing a run of nine with no wilds, there are only six billion different uh, combinations of that. So it, we go from two trillion to six billion. So a magnitude of you know a thousand percent, uh, yeah, <laughs> basically or, yeah, a thousand. Um, 
jumping down. So yeah, it's it's absolutely insane that the the phase order is is so so wildly different. Um, and then going all the way to phase ten um, is a set of five and a set of three that is at one billion. So that one that one is actually probably the hardest. T- yeah, yeah, one of the tougher ones. So very very interesting interesting uh, thought process there. Now this is with um, the rules of it, uh, the the later rules where your runs do not have to be all of the same color, the mm. same suit. So take that into account. When when I used to play, we would play the runs all had to be the same color in the same suit, and so everybody would get to the dreaded run of nine. And you know, if you're playing with six players, we would get to the end of the deck, mm-hmm. and the game would just end, and we would all <laughs> we would all lose. And it was uh, that's what made me come to to hate and loathe phase ten. Can never finish it, right? Never finished it. Yeah, I like I don't know. I, so we when we played earlier, um, we all decided at, at one round to play a different phase just to see how difficult it was. Mm-hmm. And I had the option to choose seven of the same color and i'm like i'm picking that clearly it's the easiest one and yep. like and yeah i mean even you know i i this is my first time playing phase 10 and just looking at the list aside from the first early couple phases like that was right. clearly one of the easiest phases and i don't know why it was listed towards the end um when it, there were clearly more difficult yeah, ones ahead like of roughly 25 percent of the cards that you draw you know, just off of, out of off random are going to be, gonna cl- be yeah. are going to att- contribute to your the set you need. Right. So yeah, yeah, it's. So I guess what I was getting map. to at um, earlier is that like if if it were appropriately ranked, right? Like mm-hmm. something really easy that you know Kenneth Johnson could have done was he could have delineated like phases one through four would be a short game, one through mm-hmm. six is a medium, mm-hmm. and then one mm-hmm. through ten is a long. Oh, that's easy, easy. easy phase. I mean, yeah. l- you look easy. at other games now that do that. Um, and they have game setups that are, you know, conducive towards the gameplay that you want. And, and like in your in your case, Garrett, like you could play a medium game and still not feel like you're quitting because it's at least achievable in like a respectable right. time frame instead of feeling like you're drudging on uh, because the rules dictate this one hard stance of like this is complete. And otherwise you're lo- you're not you're quitting. You're, there's no winner or loser, you know. So uh-huh. I, I think sometimes it feels like when people make house rules, sometimes it feels like. People feel cheated in some ways. Um, mm-hmm. Clearly, there are times when you make house rules and it makes the game a lot better. But, you know, sometimes I feel like, am I giving myself an out by making a house rule? Um, and that's <laughs> when it feels like it's that's when it feels bad, you know? Yeah. So Spe- speaking of house rules, I want to give a special shout out to one of the variations of rules. These are called the postal rules. And there's no source on this on Wikipedia. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how verifiable this is, but. Uh, postal rules are in honor of a group of postal employees who have been playing phase 10 every day during lunch since 1996. <laughs> and this is their rule set. Uh, no player can go out ending the hand until play has completed one circuit of the table. So you can't instantly be dealt a hand and, and go out immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dealer is the first player who can end the hand by playing all 10 of their cards. So if you end it, you become the dealer, uh, which you know may make it harder for you because you're the last player to act. Uh, in the next hand uh, players working to complete any of the first seven phases can use the number card that matches the phase they are working to complete to compete as a wild card oh um, okay so, so if you're in phase whatever seven, phase you're on that that number becomes hmm, a wild card that's kind of cool and during the second like hand that. twos are wild i'm oh, sorry um Oh, this adds the challenge of remembering the wild card of the person on your left, so as not to discard cards uh, for them that are mm, wild. I see you are not. 
Um, so yeah, that's, that's a kind of an interesting set, but yeah, I, I, I like the house rules, but basically all the house rules, you know, even that one, um, is made to kind of, uh, accommodate with the, uh, the lack of foresight and into the difficulty that it would take and how, how screwed you can get at the, <laughs> at the beginning of the game. If you, if you, somebody just goes out completely without you ever taking a turn. Mm-hmm. I, I think that those are a lot of really simple fixes, but our guy, our main man Ken, Ken really wasn't interested in uh, in that. <laughs> but he got stuff. it right. That to be, to be fair, the yeah. only winner here is Ken, right? Like he sold oh, yeah. so That's many right. games, he didn't have to go back and we didn't even finish the game. I'm curious, He's like, the real winner, even in our what's game? the difference between this and Phase Ten Masters? Do you know? Does anybody know? Yeah, so so Phase Ten Masters basically they cleaned up the rules a little bit. They they made it. I I don't know if they made it then that you could use any color of card in mm-hmm. runs, but it was included in that rule set. Um, and then also the master's edition gave you the variant or gave you the ability to choose which phase you're attempting, um, which cards to set aside and the ability to draw one card from the save pile per turn. So it, it does add a little bit of strategic choice that you can, you can make. Um, because like I said, currently in, in, or not currently, but in the original phase 10, the only strategy is, I guess, calculating what odds you have of drawing a certain combination of cards and, and chasing after that. And remembering what the player to your left has and hasn't discarded so you can not contribute to what they are going for. So just a little bit of deduction. But outside of that, there's really no strategy to be had in phase 10. Well, with no rhyme or reason to be found within the game, let's see. Uh, I think now might be a good time to check and see if other people agree with us online. If other people sort of feel the same way about it. Uh, I found a pretty interesting uh, forum post about this game. The forum post is called Never Again. <laughs> uh, Richard DePopo says, I like to think of myself as an open-minded gamer. I, lo- I love that. <laughs> I love when people set up the beginning of their <laughs> posts to be like, my worldview has yeah. changed. I'm no longer open and forgiving. I am now shut off and angry. And I'm just like, good. <laughs> Coming to the fold. Uh, I enjoy a brain-burning game of Tigris and Euphrates in which players carefully contemplate every move. I like the chaos and lively interaction of I'm the Boss. I will play and enjoy card games like High, Low, Jack, Poker, and Rummy. I can even give Monopoly a chance. I have played Phase 10 once. (laughs) Never again. Death. Death first. um, Man, that's a stance right there. That is that is very, very true. And he goes on to list a bunch of the stuff that we mentioned, sort of like the phases not being able to be taken out of any order and how long the game can be, especially when people get stuck, mm. unable to get the cards that they need if they happen to Man, be he wrote to more? stack or Jeez. you know. <laughs> yeah, he he had he had he had more than that. I mean, this is I think this is a forum post as opposed to a review, but I can tell you that he probably did not rate this game very highly, probably somewhere around <clears> maybe a two or a three. Uh, you guys, see yeah, anything? I like. There's one that I like here, which is uh, this guy called Night Fan Dan, which is also a great name. Hey. Uh, from Florida, said, "I didn't realize this was a hated game." <laughs> That's how he starts, <laughs> but I like it because I have nostalgia from playing this while growing up, which is the opposite of Garrett. It's more like PTSD. Mm. But he says, "I totally see the issue with random card draws and luck driving the game." Another person rated it a six out of ten as well and said. Phase 10 was never my favorite growing up, more strategy than Uno, but it lasts so long trying to get to 10 rounds, and you can always end earlier, but it's not as fun that way either. So you feel like you're compromising. What did those guys give it? They both gave it a 6 out of 10, which I think is pretty high considering 
yeah. that they didn't yeah. like it. Uh, so I yeah, say all these bad things about it, and they give it decent like a, score, a passing yeah. grade. I sorted, I sorted the highest reviews here, so I wanted to see the nines and the tens. I found uh, one guy gave it a nine, basically saying, you know, if you're playing something like this, just forget about the strategy. It's all about companionship. You know, it's just the kind of the communal experience of sitting around the table, throwing cards down, having conversations on the side, and. Uh, with the added benefit of somebody, somebody wins, and you're playing a game. You get eat a fucking meal. <laughs> like why? Why are like do something that's decently a, a use of your time? If you're like, oh, it gives you an ex- get, get, you get to gather around the table and talk with your friends. Do anything else. <laughs> anything, anything else. Solve a jigsaw puzzle. You want to throw stuff down? Do something like that. Like I, I don't understand why you would subject yourself to a game that constrains you and and your interactions. Uh, like this one to infuriation levels. I, I, yeah, this this guy's a moron. <laughs> give me another. Give me another high rated. The one. other, I, the, I other like the other ten I found is from user bhr nineteen eighty five, and he says I brought this one to the marriage, and <laughs> I, bet, I bet he'll also. T- He'll take it with him when he goes for the divorce. You know what I'm saying? He writes it I in. Wanna, I'm gonna take the. I'm gonna take phase ten with B, and she's like, "Yeah, sure, <laughs> you can have it. I don't care." Yeah, uh, he's like, I'm, "I'm looking in a little should... here." Uh, <laughs> he is a. Uh, he's he's rated apparently 227 games on Board Game Geek, and he gave phase ten a ten. Uh, of his rating breakdown, he has given. 37 games to 10, 54 games to 9, 34 games to 8. He's only given two games of 1, so he's he's much more generous than us. What were the two games? The two games that he has given a 1 are Stop Thief and Crack the Case, which I am not familiar with either of those. Um, let me see if I can find a good review on him. He do, maybe uh, he doesn't like dealing with criminals. From it's possible. Maybe the, per, maybe the person who... Uh made the games like personally affronted him or something like that because i feel like that's the only way that you're going to get this guy to give a uh, a bad yeah a bad well score so so that's the kind of uh, person i i wouldn't expect to tend from this on this game there is one more here that i have from spite avenger or spit avenger um and I, this one caught my eye because he's from paris texas which is uh interesting to me we i i have a connection to that and uh, he just says, my wife and I love this game so much that I've introduced some phases and optional rules for super fans of this game in these very forums. So be on the lookout for his uh, variations. Um, he has only rated one game on Board Game Geek, and that is Phase 10. So that, that is more of what I expected to see. People that people that love this right. game, they really just came here and only rated like you know Phase 10 and Old Maid and Go Fish. And <laughs> the, only, the games that got handed down to them or they yeah. grew up with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, boys. Well, let's go around the table here, see if we can put our own numbers to this. We'll give people a uh, a number that they can, you know, that actually holds water yeah. uh, as opposed to this, uh, this schlock <laughs> that they're getting from these people who have this emotional attachment to the game. Uh, for me, I, I think I've, I've really covered most of the things that I have to say about this as far as, like, there's so many better uses of your time if you're going to play a game. Uh, you know, it's like, it's like chewing packing peanuts. Yeah. It'll fill you up if you swallow, but it's like at the end of the day, all you're doing is just like, you're eating fluff. It's, it's, yeah, it's an excuse to sit around a table, but you're not walking away at the end of the day with anything that you can enjoy. The, uh, the mechanics are constraining the, uh, the amount of times that you can get stuck while trying to complete one of the phases is absolutely mind numbing. Um, 
if anything, this is going to ca- cause people to tune out. Yeah, you got your family to gather around the table, but now grandma's asleep in her chair. Congratulations. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoy your Christmas. Uh, now everyone's unconscious. So that's 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 really the game for me. There's so many better games than this one. There's so many problems that were so easy to fix, as Jeff pointed out during the uh, when we were analyzing a lot of the the stuff inside the rule books and quick changes that they could have made to the game to make it a little bit more appeasing. I'm gonna give this a two out of ten. Big two out of ten. Um, Jeff, why don't you go? Because uh, yeah, I think I think you deserve the last word here. Yeah, thank you. So um, yeah, for me, I I, I kind of like the idea of the set collection. I mean, obviously, Rummy is a um, pretty popular game, and this seems to be a, a it's one. a classic. It's a classic. You know, this is a variant of it, um, or multi variant of it. I, I think. You know, some of the things I wish he'd taken just 10 minutes to check and see if, you know, certain phases were more difficult or less difficult than others. Um, he could have opened it up more. I think what really bothers me is that it feels like there was little player agency. Like, I, all I could do is pick up what was put down or draw a new card and make a decision off that. And and, I, and just like Garrett said, just look and see who's to my left and make sure I'm not giving them cards that they, they might need. That's the only thing I need to remember. You know, in a game of seven or more, even just more than the three that we had, I, I can certainly see where it doesn't feel like adding more players makes it more interesting. It just feels like it's bogging the game down. So I can I can understand, Garrett, where you, you know, playing this game with your family, um, it just feels like you're just waiting around for your turn and then you, you your turn doesn't feel super consequential. And that seems to be like, it could be really frustrating. Um, I'm gonna rate this game similarly to Dose. I gave Dose a two. Um, and I can't remember if I if that's less than what I would have given Uno. I think it. I think we said that it was a worse version than Uno. Um, <laughs> I agree. But yeah, I, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a two, a two a out two. of phase ten. A two out of phase ten. I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got a I got a bone to pick here. Okay, we we rummy style games are fine. They're great. They're like I said, they're classic. And there are plenty of games. I just want to save you, the listener, from going down the Phase 10 rabbit hole. There are plenty of games that you can get your rummy fit, fix and scratch that itch and have a great time um, and employ a little bit of strategy. Dive a little bit do- deeper down the rabbit hole of strategy games, of board games, and, and having a good time with Grandma and Grandpa whenever you go over to their house. Uh, rummy Cube. Uh, a tile-laying rummy style game where you get the added ability to take the wilds and move them around and rearrange the melds in the open open meld system. Uh, really great game. Canasta, specifically with partnerships, uh, the added strategy of being able to change the dynamics of how players can interact with drawing the deck. Uh, but essentially the same thing. You're trying to collect sets. Um, and... And both of those are better alternatives to you, dear listener, for a classic Rummy-style game. Even Gin Rummy, um, taking out the ability to have three to six players, which is a huge detriment to this game because it completely takes out uh, some of your options and your choices and you can just do nothing about it, um, would, is a better version of this game. And it's basically the same thing, but only you can only play with two players and it's, it's, it's more or less the same thing every single round. Um, all those just way better versions of of rummy variants. Um, My mom loves Canasta. Canasta's great. She yeah. used to go and play it 
with uh with the old friends. I I love Canasta too, and it's essentially the same thing. You do the you have the exact same options on your turn. You can either draw a card that the previous player laid down, or you can draw the top card from the deck, and that's it. But you have way more strategy in what you discard, uh, what cards you want to hold on to, how the scoring system works. Um, much better, much better game. Um, that being said. While I hate Fizz 10, I have zero bones to pick with Ken Johnson. Um, you made so much money off of this game because <laughs> all you did is you read what the market wanted. They wanted a simple game that was familiar and was easy to teach uh, and let people just sit, let grandma and grandpa include grandkids and their little games of rummy and get them around the table. Um brilliant choice by you mr ken johnson so kudos to you i have it's like uh it's like the pop stars or like the the songwriters that write the pop hits and they absolutely hate them but they know they're going to make a billion dollars off of it yep mm-hmm. i i can't fault you at all um and one thing that i do think is cool is kind of all the variants and rules that have come about uh to try and improve on the gameplay which you know is you know i, I think in a modern game we would say that's to its detriment but um, you know, back in the eighties and you know, you, you you put out this nice palette and it became so beloved. It's so popular that people wanted to do that. I'm not going to fault you for that. However, this game was so, so terrible. Like I just remember squirming in my seat, sitting in on the fourth hour of phase 10, uh, <laughs> at my grandparents' house with their deck of mixed mismatched cards. Um, I'm giving this game a 0.75. Better than dose. Ooh. Better, better than dose. Wow! For wow. the simple fact that <laughs> it, 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 this wasn't the cash. Like, I mean, it was a cash grab. Dose is such an explicit cash yeah, yeah, grab yeah. of like it's Uno, but really, it's just dose. Like, you, you almost uh, would rather a real reskin, like just a regular right. reskin, than a, than a like a small right. tweak in calling it a new game. Right, right. Um, I give it more credit than dose. Um, so, anyways, that that's that's where I put phase ten. That brings the Rough Draft Boys game average to 1.58. Board Game Geek, sorry. Board Game Geek has this at a 5.1, uh, which I, I found really extremely high. high. Yeah. yeah. Uh, compared to other similar games that we've seen on Board Game Geek. Uh, Dose also had a 1. Point, I'm sorry, I didn't have the Dose one there. Dose also had a 5.1. So I, I don't know. I guess mm. people people just like these, uh, these, these card games. And uh, they're... Easy, easy to teach, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, I guess that makes sense. At least they're consistent. For context, Uno is a five point four. So I guess if you consider <laughs> them kind of the same, yeah, slightly better. Well, there you go. Uh, wait, so that's 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 everything. That's here, everything. Right? We got all of our scores. Okay, what's our what's our average here? Average average one point five eight. We're about three and a half points off the board game geek average. Oh man, they overshot it again. Mm-hmm. I just can't oh, get it right that's... over at the BGG. You know what they should do? They should probably spend a little bit more time learning how to count. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe learning how to sort their colors. You know, red equals bad, yeah. blue equals good. You know, green equals excellent. You know, it's like yellow is moody. There's some stuff they could do. And I happen to know the perfect game that will allow them to encounter colors. And- yeah, what's that? <laughs> the one we just played, Garrett. It's, it's, it's oh, the one. Uh, but if uh, if you already know your numbers, folks, I, I would like to go ahead and extend a little invitation to you. Uh, we would love it if you are familiar with the number five. If you could take that familiarity, if you could take that knowledge, and you could apply it 
to our iTunes by giving us five stars. We appreciate those of you who have been sticking with us and listening to the podcast this far. When we are even more grateful to those of you who have gone out and rated the show. It helps other people find our content. It helps us bring more people into the Rough Draft Games family. And we love hearing from you guys. We get to read some of the reviews that you guys write. And so if you haven't done that, please go ahead and do so. But if you have done so, And you would rather send us recipes about stuff that you've taken four or five hours to make that didn't really pay off, then we're always looking to expand the old Rough Draft Games recipe book. Who knows? You might see a Kickstarter for that somewhere in the future. But you can send us that stuff over at Rough Draft Games on Twitter. If you want to send me your personal hate mail for why Phase 10 is the greatest game of your generation, you boomers... Uh, go ahead and send that our way. If Also, I will take your game recommendations if you want to send those my way. Uh, whether it's a tabletop simulator, whether it's a print and play, whether it's something easy to play over webcam. We're taking those so we can get those on the, on the podcast for you and really present the best that the world has to offer in the world of weird and bad board games. Um, send those our way. Give me an email at roughdraftgames at gmail.com. And lastly, if you want to come check out the game that we're working on, All Rise, you can check out our website, roughdraftgames.com. Um, you can also check out us on Kickstarter and BackerKit and drop us a phase $10 bill, if you will, uh, for the towards e. the game. Uh, that game's coming out soon. We are taking pre-orders, and uh, yeah, excited to uh, get the game out to you guys. And uh, is there anything else we got for these folks today, Garrett, or are we going to finally let them, uh, let them away from the table? No, I, I, th- them here <laughs> I think I don't think we can a, let them go until they finish around. Phase 7. This is Phase 1. you got to listen to nine more podcasts, mm-hmm. and then you can go. Right. All right, then you can go. Yeah. But no, I, I think we yeah. came in with a simple intro. We didn't have to think too hard about it. I think we just leave with a simple intro. We just tell the people bye. Thank you for your time. And uh, we'll see you next time.